Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun or profit. Welcome back to the GeoMob Podcast. This morning, due to the wonders of the internet, which still amazes me, I'm sitting here talking with Melinda Clark in Melbourne, Australia. Melinda's the founder of City Maps Illustrated, who, not surprisingly, create illustrated maps. Uh, she says that in the late 80s, she stumbled upon her map-making journey after being inspired by maps that she collected around Europe and America. After joining forces with three artists, she researched and then published what became an extraordinarily popular illustration of her hometown of Melbourne in 1990. Nearly 30 years on and supported by thousands of Melbournians via a crowdfund campaign, which is a sign of the times I guess, she completed another four-year task of documenting Melbourne again. So that's two maps of Melbourne over 30 years, illustrated maps. It sounds like a fascinating project, Melinda. Welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about your journey into map making. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for that introduction and thank you for inviting me um, here today. So I always refer to myself as an accidental map maker. Um, I didn't study in the area. Um, I didn't plan to be in this area. But uh, as you mentioned before, it really started in my mid-twenties when I was backpacking around Europe and America. Um, I collected some illustrated maps um, and I used them to get around. I really liked looking at where I was in terms of building structures um, and landscape rather than just looking at a, a line drawing map. So they appealed to me in that way and then um, they became a souvenir. So um, I travelled for a couple of years and when I um, arrived home, I looked for an illustrated map of my own hometown of Melbourne and I couldn't find one. The only one I could uh, find and this is before internet and Google, of course, um, was an illustrated map of Melbourne that was done in 1880 um, by a fellow, <laughs> call, a fellow called um, A.C. Cook and then it was later engraved um, by Samuel Calvert. So back in the 1800s, there was a lot of these illustrated maps made um, and they were engraved to go into newspapers, so they were printed off. So there's a collection of copies of, of, um, of that map, and I did discover another couple of maps that were done um, in the 1930s and 40s, some from... Well, most of those old maps were um, done uh, by people from the UK. Um, but that there was nothing current, and so... I just set on a journey to create one myself. So it's a little bit long-winded, but um, I did a, a course, um, a part-time course at a local university um, on putting business plans together, and I applied the idea of, of creating an illustrated map um, based around, I guess, marketing to tourists um, and put a business plan together and then went on a journey to find an artist. So... That, uh, that took a little, little while to find the right 
person. Um, and again, there's no access to the internet or searching for what people uh, people's styles are. And I met um, I met Deborah Young, total serendipity. She drew a, uh, a invitation to a friend's birthday party, and I looked at the invitation. I was like, this person's quite talented. Not map map related at all. Um, and I met her for the first time at this party and I told her about my idea and she was really interested and enthusiastic to, uh, to take it on board. And she also has no map making um, training uh, and she always claims that she learnt to draw whilst drawing this, this map. <laughs> so so right. her, her full-time um, occupation was as a design draftsman. She used to draw up shells for, for a major shopping, uh, shopping complex, Meyer, in Melbourne, and uh, that was her job. Anyway, so we, um, we worked from a garage at the back of my mum's house um, for three years on this map, so two years part-time. Um, I funded it with my full-time job, um, we took seven and a half thousand photographs with a 35 millimeter camera. Um, wow. Had those had those photos developed, and that was our research. I used I, I went to lots of um, government organisations to find out whether um, you know they had photos, aerial photographs of Melbourne. Um, I used to hitchhike on on helicopters. <laughs> so um, there's a helicopter tourist helicopter that used to leave from the Yarra River. Um, I'd go down and have a chat to the pilot, show him, you know, photographs of what we were doing, and then tourists would come along. They'd pay for their for their trip, and then he'd just put me on the helicopter as well. So I'd get a few photos that way, and um, then I was sponsored basically by a hot air balloon balloonist um, in Melbourne, um, and he was the only pilot that was allowed to fly over Melbourne at that time. There's about eight that go off every morning here now, but he was the only uh, pilot that time. His name is Chris Dewhurst, and he also happens to be the first man that flew over um, Everest. But anyway, that's wow. another story. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and I showed him the map and I said, um, you know, we're doing this map, can I get a cheaper flight up in the balloon one day? And he took me up 12 times, didn't charge me at all, but he'd call it like 4.30 in the morning, say, you know, one of the people that were coming today's cancelled or I've got a spare spot in the balloon do you want to come so so I, I would always be ready with my uh, with my camera and plenty of film and so we did that we went to the top of um, skyscrapers we used to always have to get permission to get up to the top of buildings to take photos um, so that went on for about two years uh, it was taking a long time so I took my little business plan to um the bank and said, can I, you know, borrow $50,000 to finish this map? Um, and they graciously gave me a $50,000 overdraft at 22.5% interest. Oh, my back, God. Back in the late 80s. But it enabled Deborah to leave her full-time job and she just went for the next year to, to finish this line drawing. Um, and funnily enough, we finished that, that drawing. And, and in the meantime... Um, we had this little Facebook thing going where she, people would actually visit our studio, show their face and write in a, a little book. And we, we had all these lovely messages of people saying, we love it, um, we'll buy it when it's finished, etc., etc." So that was our little indication of um, whether people would buy 
by the map at the end and we plan to print limited editions, um, which is what we did at first, just the line drawing, limited edition, um, black and white on this beautiful rag paper that we um, imported from Italy. Um, and then basically <laughs> we printed that just in time for the for the 1990 crash, you know. <laughs> so people weren't really buying artwork uh, at that point in time. Lots of people were saying to me, well, we want, it, we want to see it coloured. So um, I went through the process of getting it hand coloured. So um, once again, no, well, digital technology was just starting to come in. There was drum scanners. Um, at one point, our final artwork was scanned. Um, it took... 12 hours for that scanning machine to do what something will do in 12 seconds now. Um, yep. And it cost me $2,500. So, wow. So, so I've got this huge experience of technology, you know, 30 years ago, um, which, uh, which actually didn't do anything to help me in, in, in the current project. But anyway, just getting back to the, to the colour poster that we ended up by finishing... Um, uh, there was another couple of artists, Heather Potter and Mark Jackson, who hand-coloured our first map. And it's absolutely extraordinary, exquisite colouring. They are just amazing artists. Um, again, they've never done a map, <laughs> but um, they, they draw um, illustrations for children book, children's books and they're just beautiful um, illustrators and colourists. So, uh, again, I met them... Um, through serendipity, I saw some of their colouring in an old um, vintage antique um, art art shop. Um, so they hand coloured it. Then then I got a poster produced, um, and we were able to get a um, an article in a um, a major newspaper here, um, and they reprinted the map on the inside front cover of of the Age newspaper and. And the rest is history, basically. We had absolutely no idea how popular it would be, but, you know, I sold tens no. of thousands of, of that map and made it into a jigsaw puzzle, um, sold many, many thousands of that jigsaw puzzle. Um, but so, it was just, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to step back a second. The original is a pen and ink drawing. Yes, I still have right. that original. It's how it's and how big is it? Uh, it's about um uh, 1.2 meters wide, um, by about 900 high. So it's a so quite it's, a significant big. size. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. And then you made the color ones, and then you turned it into prints, and then it all went crazy. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend of mine in in England, but she's. Uh, She's a woman from Melbourne, Denise McKenzie, mm -hmm. and telling her that I was going to be doing a podcast with somebody from her hometown. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, I had a Melbourne map on my wall when I was a teenager or something. So, you know, I mean, I think everybody who comes from Melbourne knows your map. Look, it's, it's extraordinary, really. Um, and this all came... Um, I became much more aware of the impact that that map had when I started doing this next project. And I have met and had messages from, um, you know, probably a dozen individuals that, that said, 
you know, my, my grandparents had that on the wall. It's why I got into urban design. I just loved looking at this illustration of a city. Um, people got into graphic design because of it. Some people um, moved into mapping because of it. And I'm not saying it, it's anything to do with me. It was just that they had that visual reference in front of them and it, it, it's something they could relate to. And, it, you know, as a kid, if you can imagine going into the city with your mum or, or, or your school or your grandparents or whatever and, you, you know, you toddle in on the train, um, you see a few buildings but you can't really get any aspect of the city or understand it. But when you see a visual representation of it, it puts everything into perspective and so the Absolutely. next time you go in or if, you've, or if you're just visiting a, a city for the first time and you're flying in, you really don't know where the airport is in relation to the CBD. Um, and it's, it's a great thing um, for that perspective. And there's lots of reasons why people, you know, buy our maps and put them on the wall um, or buy any map. But it generally is this um, aff affiliation with with the place that they've visited. It's their story, you know, so it's no yeah. longer my map. It, it's it's their map. It's where they've been. It's what's special to them and the stories they tell within it. And we, when when we make these maps, we, we don't just look at the pictures. We walk around the streets. We see the people, the vehicles, the activities, the, the, the boats, um, you know, what's up in the air, what's who's walking around, who's skating, where they're doing that kind of thing. We talk to the people. We might see someone, you know, driving along in a in a motorised, um, you know, scooter thing or, or whatever's happening around, we take a photo of it and that becomes part of the story. We don't make up stuff. We just put what we see and then, um, and then there's statues. So there are people on the map trees. and... Yeah. There's activity on the map as well as the buildings. That's right. There's sacred trees. There's a whole lot of sacred trees around um, uh, around Melbourne. There's like, it was, it was trees of significance, and there's sacred trees as well. So um, we have a you know indigenous references all the way way right. through of things that are actually there. We don't we don't um, we don't blast out about anything in particular. But if you're looking at that map and you're looking at an area that you know, and you go, oh, yeah, I recognise that. You know, it could be a mural on a wall, could be a statue, um, could be a famous person. There's a fellow that walks around Melbourne and he has um, a big paper mache carrot. And he, he, he made this carrot, this is before COVID, he made this carrot and walked around with it one day and it just made people smile. So he just keeps on walking around with this carrot and... If you live in Melbourne and you're lucky enough to see the man with the carrot, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a good and day. It's, and it's, a, it's kind of a mystery. You never know where he's going to be or what day is coming. He doesn't regularly do it every single day. But if he goes into the city, he takes his carrot with him and he's quite famous. So, of course, you know, the, he's, he's on the map. <laughs> he's on the map. So, yeah, yeah I was just thinking... Um, there was a kid's book, I don't know whether it got to Australia, but it was really popular here, called Where's Wally? Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we have that. Yeah. yeah. Right, and so this is like a real-life Where's Wally type of map, isn't it? You know, with it, it these is. little little it local is. cultural artefacts. Yeah. 
And actually, Where's Wally came out around the same yeah. same time. There was Where's Wally and Animalia was another uh, book that was very popular around the world. But Where's Wally was, yeah, similar. Yeah. You know, I reckon that's about 30 years ago as well. Hmm. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago in London, um, there was an, an exhibition called Mag- Magnificent Maps of London at the London Metropolitan Archive. So this is an archive of... London, all sorts of things. And they have a map collection there and they made an exhibition just of the maps. And the reason I'm mentioning it is because they have maps back to, I would guess, the 17th century of London, a whole series of maps. And a lot of the really early maps from the 17th or 18th century were these sort of illustrated maps. In fact, what we look at as a street map today was a later introduction. There were those sort of pictorial maps that were somewhere between a cartographic map and an artistic representation of a view of the city. Um, A lot of them were in a sort of perspective style, you know, where you looked out and the stuff near you was in detail and the stuff further away, you just had vague outlines. Um, So you're following in a tradition that has gone for hundreds of years of producing these maps. More recently... We've all sort of become, I guess, um, addicted to Google Maps or whatever it is. And the sort of traditional, what we consider a street map is the only thing that we recognise now. But you're absolutely and, following and it, in it, that tradition. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lost art that is being revived. And there's a big gap between, um, you know, those ones in the 17, 1800s and what is produced today in detail. So there's no one has produced um, maps of the detail we've done except except us. And um, I'll talk a little bit more about the current one. But um, it's... It, and I know why. <laughs> because, because it took four years and it cost $400,000 to do the, la- the latest maps. So um, it's, it, you've got to be a little bit crazy to do it <laughs> obviously I I just had this passion to do it um the first time and the second time um and I had I really didn't realize it was going to cost me so much money so had I known that maybe I would have got a little bit nervous about that and not done it but um the reason I did it the second time around is because I actually you know about six years so 1996 I moved to the country um, out of Melbourne and down to the Ballerine Peninsula and became uh, a fish farmer. So we set up a land-based abalone farm. That's, that's just another great big long story. But I put everything in a garden shed and um, it was there for, you know, 25 years with me probably every year going, I really need to do something about all those old maps in there. I had stored all my... Um, I was actually really nervous. I'd stored the original in there. I had no idea whether I was going to pull it out and it was going to be okay. Um, And I had stored all my memorabilia, all the photographs, and I thought the State Library needs to have this stuff. You know, they'll be interested in these photos that I've taken, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And what I also had stored there was um, a, a journal because all my accounts were handwritten in pencil in a journal. And I was looking through that journal. I'm like, gee, I actually did sell a lot of these maps. And 
I had a few left there and I, I, um, I thought I'll look on Google and see if anyone's done another map. They might be interested in this one, whatever. And no one had and there was nothing online about any maps, not even mine, because I had the copyright. I'd gone into oblivion down the country. Everything was, was um, just in a shed. So there was no, there was no um, reference online. So I thought I'll just put a few images on Facebook and... Um, and then all of a sudden I just got this onslaught of people messaging me, oh, I've been looking for you for years and are you doing another one, et cetera, et cetera. So instead of moving all that stuff out of my garage, which was the intention, um, I've sort of... I've, I've, it's actually multiplied by ten now. I'm, I've taken out over a whole house here, um, you know, filled it with all more, more map stuff. But um, I just investigated doing it again. I met an artist in Geelong. I spoke to Deborah. She wasn't, didn't have the capacity or the time or the energy to do it, you know, do the project again. I thought I could just scan it and upgrade some, some drawings. But Melbourne <laughs> had changed so much in, in, you know, 25 years. It was impossible. It had to be started again. I had a chance meeting with an artist in Geelong. His name was Lewis Brownling. And um, I, I'd seen a crowdfunding that he'd done for a little colouring book that he'd done of Melbourne. And we struck up a conversation and it just, you know, quite a few conversations. And I said, do you want to have a go at redrawing this? And how long do you think it would take you? And he said, I'd love to. And he's from the UK. He lives here now, but he's from the UK. Um, and he said, oh, you know, four to six months. Well, Lewis was drawing for two and a half years full-time wow. at an easel. So, um, so I mortgaged my house. Um, we had a lot of access to beautiful uh, images now because of Google um, and other online resources. Um, so it was easy to get the reference material. And, of course, we still did the research. We'd, we'd, every two no weeks, helicopters. No, no balloons. No, no balloons, no helicopters. We got up the, the top of a couple of buildings... Um, but no, sadly, I would have loved to um, go flying over oh. the city again. It wasn't nearly as romantic, but we had a, we went up to the top of quite a few buildings um, and that was good. Um, but anyway, so Lewis, you know, a year down the track, the, the 100000 that I'd borrowed against my house was gone um, and um, I knew it was like I, I, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I had to finish it. Um, and um, we still didn't know it was going to take another year and a half. So I thought, well, I'm just going to um, check out crowdfunding. So I studied crowdfunding for months and months. It was six months at least. I looked at how other people did their crowdfunding. I went to crowdfunding courses. I read books. I listened to podcasts. And then um, then I gave it a red-hot go, found found a, a videographer that would, that would make the the little three-minute movie yeah. um, up front and get paid later. <laughs> um, and we just winged it, basically, um, and uh, put this little crowdfunding together. And I was aiming... I said that I, on the crowdfunding I wanted to, to, to raise 20000 but I really wanted to raise fifty. I really felt at that point I needed fifty. We sold $120,000 worth of maps in a month. It just went nuts. And then, again, I, know, I knew people love this map. I had the, the history of making one prior. 
um, you know, just came out of the woodwork and got more articles in magazines and, and went on, you know, radio and TV and all that sort of stuff. She held a couple of exhibitions, put Lewis in the front window of a of a, um, a shop in the CBD, which someone gave to us for 10 days. and I turned it into a gallery, put him in the, in the front window and he kept on drawing away and that gave us a lot of attention. So, But anyway, two and a half years later, we had the line drawing um, and, then it, uh, and then had no idea how we were going to colour it, knew we wouldn't be able to hand colour it. Um, so uh, I, again, serendipity, met... <laughs> Met this person who knew another person um, that lived locally here in on the Ballerine um, who was willing to give it a go. He said it would take him six weeks. Took him six months to colour it. But in the end, we just got the most amazing um, finished product and and then started selling the posters. And, and then COVID hit. So I was at that point um, ready to, um, you know, really market this map in... I'd, in January, I was out in in the streets, you know, going to all the souvenir stores and retailers, um, and then all of a sudden, COVID hit. But the the great thing was that it, I instinctively knew that a jigsaw would sell well, so I had ordered um, from New Zealand. Um, I'd been over to New Zealand, checked out this old old factory. Family uh, has been making puzzles for eighty years. And um, I said to them, I want to make, you know, a jigsaw of this map. And uh, my minimum order was four and a half thousand jigsaws. So Whew, I... That's a I, lot. It is. It is. But so I had that shipped over, um, which cost a lot of money to ship over. I had no idea about all this stuff. But anyway, I learned a lot about that first shipment. They sold so quickly in November and December. And again, I did a little crowdfunding for it as well. So I used that same mechanism to let people know it was coming. That um, in December, I committed to a 40-foot a, a container with eight, nearly 9,000 jigsaws in it. And I was like, right, that'll last me all year. I'll save on the freight costs. Um, then, so by the time COVID hit... Um, People were staying inside and there just was this jigsaw thing. Everyone was doing yeah. jigsaws. So um, I had a little bit of publicity and I sold sold a few jigsaws and I and one of the orders that I got in was from a journalist and I knew she was a journalist with a major newspaper. So I said, look, you know, the postal system's pretty bad at the moment and um, I'm going to be near your place. Would you like me to drop off your jigsaw instead of putting it in the post? And she's like, yeah, that'd be great. So, of course, it was actually a two-hour drive for me, but I, <laughs> I drove and dropped off the jigsaw and a map and a calendar and, you know, told her the story. So, we were at the fence. She was, you know, 10 feet away and I was telling her the story about the original map and everything and she said, I'm so tired of, of, of writing bad stories. I really want to write this good story about COVID and your jigsaw and your map. And so she did. She did a brilliant um, story in The Age and she also, um, The Age came and did a video of us, of Lewis and I, and, and really told the story beautifully. Um, and then I just backed it up with social media and, you know, once you're in The Age, then a radio station calls you up and, you know, you get, they get, yeah. you get the chance to tell the story. That's really what it is. I, t- I tell the story and then it's engaging and people understand that it's not just somebody, you know, whipped up this map in, 
you know, six it's, months. Or it's something. more than engaging. It's just <laughs> yeah, amazing. It, it, I mean, yeah, you know, it's like it's a thirty-year love affair with maps of the, your yeah. your hometown. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, you're going. So were all of those being bought in in Australia? Uh, a lot were going overseas. Yeah, we were. I've I've sold I've sold jigsaw puzzles and maps all around the world. Um, you know, to every country, I think. Um, I've often wanted to map that. <laughs> you know, I want to, yeah. I'm sure there's a system where you can map where you've where you've sold everything, but I haven't got around to doing that. I run this business now just on my own. I have had people um, working for me over over the years, um, but it's. I just like to keep it simple. Um, I can run it on my own. Um, I have way more ideas than I have time to do. So I, I, I tend to try and just focus on um, on just doing the important stuff, keeping the website right. um, looking good. I mean, people go on the website and they think it's a big corporation and we're doing all these and amazing maps. And it's, it's me. And I engage people along the way. I get help from people. I can't do everything myself, of course. Um, and, and, the, and like Lewis and Deborah, um, and, um, and Sean who coloured the map, Sean Rodwell, he, they're all really passionate about the work they do when they're doing it. You know, they engage with it, they put a lot of effort into it. Um, we, I work on really good relationships with them because they're long relationships and, and I'm not, um... Yeah, I'm not always happy with with what I see them produce, and we need to talk about it and change things, um, and keep their energy up. Like it was a really tough gig for Lewis, you know, two and a half years standing at an easel, doing this map and doing the one project, dedicating himself to it, um, and and it's pen and ink, isn't it? Yeah, if you make a mistake, you've got to use. You've got well, to use Tipex or whatever, or is he doing it digitally? Well, now? see, on the first one we used whiteout because there was only, you know, yeah. that was the only way. So this time um, I um, – so I, I asked Lewis to do everything in pencil first. Um, so he basically drew it twice. Um, and it was right. good that we did that because there was one section that he had spent three and a half months on, and we would sit back and look at it in the in the studio. I had a special um, uh, easel made that would go mm-hmm. up and down, so he was never crouching down or reaching up. We could move the drawing up and down, and there was a little rack on it that we could put the iPad on, and there, he had rubber under the floor, and you know the temperature was right, and everything was right there. Um, but we, we, we sat back one day and looked at this section um, of the map. It was in uh, Port Melbourne, South Melbourne area. Um, and it just looked wrong. It just, it looked like it was, there was a hill and it was leaning in. And, and I know from experience that um, if you do something that isn't right or if it is a bit off, then people tell you. And they're not going to tell Lewis or Deborah or Sean. They're going to have a go at me. <laughs> so, so, um I I just I just said rub it out start again and and he was reluctant but he also knew that he wouldn't be happy with it at the end so right. there are all these things that you know they added another three and a half months of of illustration to to the project but it's best to do it at that point than regret it later as for all the other things that I that I that either changed over time or I want to change there was some design elements in it that I didn't like. 
Um, I worked with, uh, you know, on a screen and just in Photoshop and just removed them, changed them, uh, fixed them um, and just worked through. So that, that in itself was a few months. It was just a nightmare getting it scanned. It's so big and I couldn't cut it up. Um, I, could, I went through, I, I paid probably $12,000 over the period of, you know, a couple of years to, to have it photographed, scanned. All these new whiz-bang machines came out. People thought that they could do it. It just came back to, to a really amazing printer that I use in Geelong, Crefield Printers. And uh, the lady in there, um, Debbie Fallon, was just so committed to getting it right. She scanned it on a really small scanner but in 21 sections and stitched it together. And it was <laughs> the, the, the production was amazing. And since that time, there are new machines that, that, that go bigger, but um, I would take it back to her any day, every time. Because, again, it's just these people that were engaging with the map we had as much dedication to it as I did. You know, the guy that 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 um, designed the logo um, for the business, you know, he was in tune with it. The person that built my first website, they were just, you know, everybody wanted to help and wanted to see the project. You've really and, caught and, the zeitgeist. Yeah, and I just involved everybody along the way. So I had a, you know, social media following. I was showing people the progress, um... So they felt like they were part of it. They could contribute. You know, people said to us when we were in these exhibitions, like, make sure you put, um, you know, that tree outside my place. It's a really significant tree. I want you to put that on or make sure you include that. Or they'd look at a building and go, oh, no, I think there's two doorways there, not one. And, you know, like, stuff like that was just wow. involve people so with it. Hmm. Just tell me something. What is it about Australia? Because, like... This is a passion project. I mean, mm. it's a crazy. Uh, yeah, I crazy. say it with. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I love it. You know, I mean, I'm going to have to get a Melbourne map now. But it's crazy. Um, it took years and years and years. You you mortgaged your home. Then you got this massive crowdfunding. You know, where everybody piled in, right? But you're not the only one. Um, there's Anton, Anton Thomas, is it? Oh, yeah, Anton Thomas, he is. Well, I met Anton when, he's, when he was just at the beginning of his project and, and it's been actually a joy to see his progress and everything I can pass on to him, I, I do. Um, he's a really switched on amazing individual and, of course, he's doing the illustration and he's doing his marketing but, um, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff along the way and I've made a lot of mistakes and, and I'm just really happy to pass that on to any person that is taking on a project like this. There's actually a young guy, um, Alex, from, from Wollongong and he's just completed his drawing and he was inspired by the Melbourne map to do it. So, but, um, yeah, so there's several really... And Alex Hotchin, she just does the most beautiful illustrations. There's a lot of Australian map makers and doing all different stuff we often get together and and um well we 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 you know we go to the same conference or meeting um i did a um a talk at the state library recently on modern map making um and yeah there was an, another couple of map makers there so it's a 
it's a thing that's that's getting some traction. But yeah, Anton Thomas, he's just if you haven't if you haven't seen his work, you just have to it's, go and have a look. His story it's exquisite. is awesome. Yeah. But the thing that occurs to me is that you and Anton and these other people that you mentioned, you've gone back to the way that maps were made hundreds of years ago, where they were surveyed by walking the ground and measuring and making sketches, and then they were put together with weeks, what months, years of effort, all hand-drawn. And, you know, today we've got digital surveying, we've got LIDAR, we've got aerial imagery, we've got street view, we've got all of this technology, and we're making incredibly detailed maps, but there's no soul to them. There's no... It's just a mechanical digital process. And, you know, you've gone right back to the beginning and it is amazing, you know, and it's amazing that it's all happening in Australia because I don't think it's happening in Europe. I, you know, certainly I live in Europe. Um, I've been involved in the, the geo world for, over, for 25 years now. I've never seen this kind of work being done by people in, in Europe. There's some artists working with sort of um, various brilliant techniques, but they're not doing the same sort of stuff that work that you're doing. It's amazing. So, but you're doing more. You didn't yeah. stop with the Melbourne map. What else have you done? You've done a Bellarine map. Yeah, well, so during lockdown, I was busy packing and sending jigsaw puzzles. And just by the way, we... we um, I ended up by ordering 30,000 jigsaw puzzles, so there's a lot of wow. people that, that have had this map. Um, so I had the I had the funds. I'd paid back, you know, what I'd borrowed, um, and I had the funds to do another one. And Deborah and I had uh, started doing one of the Ballerine Peninsula. Um, so she was based up in Melbourne, um, in lockdown, couldn't do her, her day job. And I said, okay, get the easel out and we'll, we'll finish this. So in between lockdowns, she would come down and do some research with me, but otherwise I was just able to take the photos and send them to her and take videos. And, and, um, if I was allowed to, to head up to Melbourne in between lockdowns, I would go up there. And so again, it was a process and there was a lot of post-production on her map because, um, you know, there were areas that she started inking in that really um, needed changing. Um, but it's a passion project for me because I live on the Ballerine. And again, why I wanted it to be just spot on because, you know, I'm a local here. It's, um, there's not a huge population. And if I, if, if I, um, if there was something wrong on the map, someone would tell me. And we do have yeah. one mistake on there and someone did write to me <laughs> and tell me. <laughs> but um, so anyway, she finished that and again I, we got Sean to colour it. And the same thing, he, you know, there's beautiful canola fields in, in September here in the um, in the springtime and he'd, he'd uh, coloured in a few paddocks with these canola fields and I said, how come you put that yellow field there? And he said, well, it looks good, you know, it's balanced and, you know, arty. Buddy. And I'm like, yeah, but the guy there has cattle and he doesn't have canola and I know him and he will say to me, why did you put canola fields in my cattle, you know, field? So so there was all these, you know, other intricacies to, to doing that map, but it that is so full of life. It has um, people on the beach, all the vessels, you know, and the ships that are going 
in and out. And they're all the actual ones. We didn't make up anything again. Um, it's been a, a great resource for um, for the tourism here. So a lot of jigsaw puzzles, not as many as the Melbourne one, but it's I get them made in Australia now, so I buy them uh, by the 1,000 instead of by the 9,000 lot, which is much better for cash flow, i got to tell you. Um, but sure. um, so... Um, and again, it's a passion project. I couldn't even tell you how much money I've made on the ballerine map, and I really don't care. Um, I mean, I do, obviously, um, you know, accounting and, and financial management is my background, so I'm well aware of, you know, um, I'll never get myself in a really bad situation, but um, financially, I'm, that's not what I'm motivated um, by, um, but it is it is worthwhile doing. I can tell anybody who's making, putting this kind of effort into, there is definitely a market for it. And like Melbourne has a population of 5 million um, and I sell a lot of Melbourne, you know, products, mostly jigsaws. So, I, you know, sometimes I think I'm just a jigsaw making producer, not a map maker, but... Um, but the uh, ballerine has, you know, I don't know, maybe a 20,000 population. So in terms of, um, uh, you know, investment, it's probably you wouldn't go to a market where there's 20,000 population, but there's a lot of people visiting. So, and again, like it has a cycle of a really good cycle of around six years, I think. Um, and people discover it for the first time. Even today, people are discovering the Melbourne map for the first time. They might see it on someone else's wall and they want one. They just have this um, yeah. affiliation with it still. It doesn't matter if it's out of date. I've, I've produced it at a point in time. There's some buildings that I knew what they were going to look like when they were finished, but I chose to have the building um, with a crane on top of it because when it's finished, it was going to knock... It was going to be in front of a, a couple of other really nice buildings. But in, on the other hand, there were buildings that were being constructed. I found out what they were going to look like and we finished them off. So it has this sort of balance there. Um, and it's a point of time, just like the Samuel Calvert one in 1880 is Melbourne in 1880. And you can still appreciate it and love it for what it is then. So in the end, these these maps are a gift to to... Um, the city um, in any point in time and, and I'm hoping in a hundred years time um, if someone tries this same kind of uh, mapping, illustrative mapping, I'll have left a whole lot of notes with the uh, with the state and national libraries of this is how, this is the story um, this is how we did it. They might even be listening to this podcast in a hundred years time you never know. Well I hope so Melinda <laughs> that would be wonderful. So look we've got, you know this is just amazing, and I could sit and listen to you talking about the maps forever. And in fact, you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to get? To, you know, I'm going to have to make a trip now because I've got to come and see this. You know, um, it's a long way to go, but I'm going to do it. But you've got another adventure coming up. You're planning something completely different. What is it that you're about to do? Well, I uh, I did some travels around Australia. Um, I took the kids out of school and went up to the Northern Territory in a caravan and camped for like six months. This is when we left the abalone farm and and, uh, and didn't know what we were going to do. It's just like, let's just get away and have a think about it. And, um, and 
I've I just love that that process of traveling and discovery, um, and and maps I collected a whole lot of maps when I was away as well and there was there was one map sorry of the Udna Dada track and if you've never been on it I wouldn't recommend you go on it it's just it's just the most corrugated road I don't know why anyone would go down this road but it has the most beautiful map of all this area and that's why I wanted to go down that road is because of this illustrated map um and I got hoodwinked because it, we blew two tyres. It was just, it was really a nightmare going down the Udnadetta track back then. But, um, uh, yeah, so I did discover a few maps around. But I always just had this passion for doing this travelling and I always wanted to do it again. So now I'm, my kids have, have well and truly left home and, and independent and, and I'm on my own now. And so I bought a, um, um, a medium wheelbase um, Mercedes Sprinter and I've had it um, built out by some professional van building. I was contemplating doing it myself but I don't have that extra two or three years and and I'm going to do some travelling again. Um, I might do some, you know, map discovering along the way. I plan to – I'm a, I'm a, a crafter and um, so I, I stitch a lot of things and I plan to, to stitch my way around, around the country um, and I'll probably take my maps with me, you know. I might have them on a little trading table that might pay for my petrol <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to the next place. Um, but I just want to share. I might do some talks around, around in different states. I've, I've, um, I've done talks at different uh, universities and I would like to... Um, I'd like to just keep talking about the project and sharing the ideas and planting the seeds in the next generation of, of map makers but I just I'm really tired I really want to take a break I, I, I it's been a really really hard slog um and a huge learning curve this second time round with making the map and a huge risk um and I just feel like I just need to take a a break if I can um and I'm not quite even sure how, how that, that that works with with the business whether I just shut down the website for for a while um i started it up you know after 25 years last time i'm sure if i take a break for six months and no one can buy a map from me and you know they can perhaps buy them from retailers um around it'll be okay but i um i've also had you know i've lost a lot of friends lately um that have passed you know way before their time and and i've still got lots of things to do um and i've got this idea of a, of a blog um uh um, blogging or crafting around Australia. So if you want to go fishing, there's lots of websites to tell you where the good fishing spots are and you only need to go to a, ca- a campground and you see it, you see someone with a fishing rod and you ask them where the f- best fishing um, spot is. But I came up with this idea of um, travelling crafters and I'm going to put a sticker on my van and give out stickers to other people that I meet that really like craft and so you'll identify someone that you can ask about, you know, craft which could yeah. incorporate um maps but just in general you know can be all sorts of um craft and arts basically so yeah that's 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 the dream and um okay. but maybe another couple of well we actually are working on another map we're doing one of port arlington which is a small town on the ballerine that has a ferry service from from it to melbourne so it's become very popular um and we've sort of you know, spent quite a bit of time in a draft on uh, the Geelong map and where we'll have the um, 
the Commonwealth Games in this region in 2026. So, you know, all going well, I may get the Geelong one up. But I kind of am hoping to get some funding for that because, um, yeah, I'm tired of mortgaging the house every time I do a map. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that, you know, Geelong deserves one and it can be done. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll get some funding from... from um, I've got a few runs on the board, so maybe... Maybe an organisation might go. Yeah, well, we'll fund this. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I never rely on. I never rely on anyone, any grants or anything like that. Like I've gone down that track. It's it's yeah, fruitless really. And and everybody, every tourism organisation has their own agenda and own ideas and their own you know digital map makers and all that sort of stuff. I I stop trying to engage other people to get support that way, but. Um, you know, in the end, I, I learnt that I don't need it. I have I have the support of my customers. If I email yeah. my list now and say I'm doing something, they'll help me out. Yeah. I mean, you've got enough people who've bought one of your maps or jigsaws, and if you say you're doing something um, mm. and you need crowdfunding, um, you'll be there. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I'm just in awe of what you've done. Melinda, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I'm as I said, I just cannot get over the craziness of this project. And to do it twice, to do it 30 years ago and then do it again, um, just fantastic. Um, and I really hope that on your travels, on this travel of yours, somehow a map comes out of that. Um, I'm sure something is going to happen and you're going to think, I've got to make a map of this. Um, <laughs> so... Melinda, thank you very much for being on the GMR podcast. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been yeah, it's been fun sharing sharing the oh, story. Oh, and we yeah. didn't we didn't say, but in the show notes we've got the um, the website for the Melbourne map, for the Bellerin map, and all the other maps, and also an email that you can contact Melinda. So yeah. be sure. They, they, uh, do you link- ship to Europe? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do that all the time. So um, there's links on the website to videos going back to the first map, you know, TV interviews, and there's a lot of the history of the project and and uh, it's easy to get in touch with me. So if there's anyone out there that, you know, has any questions or, you know, that I can share or help help um, with with their projects, I'm happy happy to do that. But um, yeah, yeah, we ship, we ship to, I ship all around it and place it. I mean, it costs you $35, but that, with the pound, it's actually less. But um, yeah, we've, yeah, I've been um, sending them for years and years successfully. They're all tracked and yeah, it's good. Great. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you very much. I really appreciate being on here. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.